you know, don't don't have a fixed mindset about digital capabilities and about your ability to learn things. You know, those are old tropes that in many ways have been uh, debunked. Welcome to the Balancing Act Podcast. I'm Andy Tempty, and today we've got the founder of Palmer Media, the host of Trending in Education, and best of all, my former Kaplan colleague, Mike Palmer, on the show. Welcome, Mike. Uh, it's great to be here, Andy. Uh, very great to see you. <laughs> well, it's great to be seen uh, these days. Uh, it's Uh, We'll take that as a win. Um, (laughs) So today we're going to talk, we're going to continue our conversation about the reskilling revolution. Uh, In the last show, Dan Strafford and I talked about uh, what the reskilling revolution is, what it's not, uh, a little bit about skills versus degrees as signals of workplace competency. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've got got this uh, industry expert, Mike Palmer, on the show, so we're going to dive a a little bit deeper. Uh, But before we get started, uh, Mike, it'd be great if you told our listeners your story. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I I was born back in the 20th century, believe it or not, Andy, uh, despite my my youthful vigor and, uh, you know, started my career in the in the early 90s, originally in psychology. Uh, My dad was a psychologist, worked in child and adolescent psych, uh, realized that probably wasn't the best path for me, uh, in part because of the, you have to be in a good head, I think, to be able to lean into a career of dealing with, uh, with mental illness. And, you know, I had some of that in my family as well. So decided to, to pursue my other passion, which was education. And uh, that's how I started teaching for Kaplan test prep way back in the day. I always scored well on those tests, was able to get a a tuition, you know, full tuition at New College of Florida based in part on my my test scores. So I, I was a big believer in some of the more positive aspects of test prep, although, I, you know, I, I still struggle with some of the, the equity issues there. But uh, but I had a great run, 20 years at Kaplan, starting as a, a teacher, wound up an instructional designer, uh, got in on e-learning in the early 2000s and, and kind of never looked back uh, at Kaplan. We helped launch their live online program, which which really grew over the course of the years. Uh, one of the things that I also launched was a podcast called Trending in Education. That was like an R&D um, project for me when I was heading up a lot of the, the new media innovation uh, at Kaplan, mainly for Kaplan Test Prep, and then across all of Kaplan and Graham Holdings, you know, because Graham Holdings also had Slate, and I believe at the time, may have had Gimlet uh, when at least we started, but there's certainly interest there in, you know, the Washington, formerly Washington Post co- company is very much a media company and podcasting is a big part of their portfolio. So it just seemed like the right thing to do while I was at Kaplan to lean into that, uh, launched Trending in Ed back in 2016, uh, have done uh, coming up on 450 episodes since then, uh, and uh, just you know, I think over 200 episodes now since I left Kaplan in 2019. Left just before the pandemic to start my consultancy. Was able to hold on to the podcast along the way. So you know, trendingined.com if you're interested. Trending in education coming out about twice a week these days. Uh, a lot of interviews, conversations about where the world of of learning is going. Uh, and I use that as a way to get my brand out there to get other uh, consulting work and, uh, you know, help folks 
work on their messaging, work on their uh, communication skills, some media training, produce podcasts, you know, live streams. All basically hit me up. Uh, I may be able to help you, but um, but yeah, it's been it's been a crazy time to to get out on my own. Also, at the you know, I had a me and my wife. We had our son back in December of 2018, so it's also been a journey of uh, early parenthood. You know, concurrent with the pandemic and the, the the social awakenings that have happened and, and all the challenges we've been facing. So, so yeah, it's been a heck of a ride. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of leaning into what I hope is more of a, an actual new normal, although I'll believe it when I see it uh, coming out of the crazy couple of years that we've all been, you know, managing of late. Yeah. So on, yeah, absolutely. On, on trending uh, uh, in education, uh, who, to, you know, 450 episodes you're, you're dropping, like as we're, uh, as we're speaking here. So congratulations uh, on that. I, uh, I think you're, uh, on the balancing act podcast, uh, you'll be episode 32. So yeah, we're, yeah. we're, 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 we're creating the portfolio, but we're way behind you. Mm. Uh, who's like the most interesting guest you, you ever had on right. a training in education? Well, and, you know, as a parent, I love all my children equally and I love all my guests and all my episodes equally. And Andy Tempty was really remarkable. And and folks should track down Andy's episodes on Trending in Ed. Uh, it's also fun, honestly, to have folks who are on over a span of time, which you were, uh, just to see how conversations evolve. That's one of the things that I really love about it. Um, my favorite guest, my favorite experience was when we had Wendy Zuckerman from Science Versus in a live panel at the Javits Center as part of uh, the NAB, National Association of Broadcasters, uh, New York event, which was was pretty wild. And, and you know, um, Wendy's amazing. It's a she's a Australian science reporter who now does this this uh, really wonderful, entertaining take on science and uh, and frequently debunks a lot of the the bad information that's out there. So, and she's hilarious while she does it. So that was just in terms of that experience. That was great. Uh, I also was a big fan of our Annie Duke episode who wrote thinking in bets, former poker player who crossed over into more management consulting and is now working on uh, decision information and teaching people how to be better at decision-making. I thought that was great. And then, and then the last piece uh, that's probably a little more relevant or as I like to say, germane. That's germane to this germane conversation. Germane is an awesome word. <laughs> it's a good word, and he was also a nice member of the Jackson 5. But uh, germane to this conversation is Michelle Weiss's book. I had Michelle on last year. She wrote a book called Long Life Learning, and it was really interesting. Talked a lot about the, the revolution around skills and reskilling and how to think about the future of work and our professional lives and reminding us that that, you know, the combination of us living longer and the level to which the workplace is going to be disrupted by the emergence of new skills, you know, your educational journey can't just be four years from 18 to 22, and then you hunker down and, and don't learn anything again for the rest of your life. So I thought Michelle is, is probably most in, in line with the skills revolution that you're talking about. But that's something I've been gravitating towards recently, recently uh, with a lot of the more 
visionary folks, the, the the people who are thinking about the future of work and what's emerging, you know, you do start to see what's nice about a podcast like Trending and Ed is that I'm intentionally broad. I try to get as wide a cross section. And it's interesting when certain things bubble up across sectors and across industries. And I would say the focus on lifelong learning, reskilling, learning as a benefit, and a skills-based orientation towards all of that is something that I've been hearing much, much more of late. Yeah, but, well, that's uh, the, your 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 place here in our guest list for our reskilling revolution series is very purposeful uh, because of the you know the the broad experience that you bring to the table 450 episodes of talking mm-hmm. uh to folks uh, ab- about uh, about these concepts so mm-hmm. let's dive into the reskilling revolution yeah. uh you know world economic forum estimates that up to a billion people will need to be reskilled not just upskilled but reskilled due to job disruption uh over the next decade and as you think back on those hundreds of conversations that you've had with learn leaders. Uh, is the reskilling revolution real? Is it hype? Is it a combination of both? You know, Dan mm-hmm. Strafford and I, in the previous episode, we, we, we took out the shiny ball and we asked ourselves, you know, is this a shiny ball moment or, or is this real? So what's, yeah. what's your take? Well, it, it's probably a little both. And, you know, the, the postmodernist in me doesn't like either ors, uh, you know, so, you know, and even, I've been talking to somebody recently about quantum computing rather than, you know, binary computing. So the idea that there are there are more ranges and nuance to conversations is, t- is typically where the reality is. And, and at the end of the day, a shiny ball is still a shiny ball. You know, you kind of want to play with the shiny ball, I, w- I would think. But um, but I would say, you know, one of the one of the concepts that we talk about a ton is the Gartner hype cycle, which I'm a big fan of. It, it's, it's a little pseudoscience. There, there's not a there's, there's a lot of research that goes into it, but they turn it into a chart, which is a little, a little bit, uh, a little bit gimmicky. But, but it basically, the idea is that new ideas, when they first come out there, go through a hype cycle. Frequently, there's a lot of more investment, a lot more R and D around that space until it reaches uh, what they call a peak of inflated expectations, before falling into a trough of disillusionment, and then ultimately. A plateau of productivity. So it's very evocative language here that Gartner has given us. So, but I so think, they so they stole so they stole the change management curve from all the change management folks. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I, I couldn't <laughs> tell whether it was the change management curve. Also, it looks a little bit like an action potential. You know, if you look at how a, a, a neural impulse moves right. around. But regardless, uh, you know, they're consultants. You know, it's all about it's all about packaging these days. But uh, but yeah, they. Um, they talk, they talk about how a lot of new stuff becomes sexy and then becomes less so after people talk about it for a while. And I think some of that is probably true. I'd say that's particularly true when you talk about, you know, almost like the skill of the day. You know, the idea that this new and emergent skill, you absolutely have to learn, uh, you know, the blockchain, you know, which is probably a good example because the blockchain I'm a big believer in its long-term relevance and its space that people should at least understand the basic architecture of it. Does that mean they should become Bitcoin traders and getting into NFTs and doing all these other things? Probably not. That's where things get a little frothy and and the hype starts to to maybe steer you in the, in the wrong directions. 
more broadly, it's real that the rate at which skills are being, the shelf life of skills is becoming much, much shorter. People, regardless of their primary focus in their careers, are going to need to upskill, reskill, outskill on digital profiles and capabilities that they probably never had earlier in their careers. And that's just to keep up. That's not even to get ahead of things. Uh, there's a quote that I, I like from uh, Bill Taylor, which is, are you, learning as, are you learning as fast as the world is changing? And that for me, I was a believer in that quote 15, 20 years ago when the world was changing at a much, much slower rate. Now that rate is accelerating. You know, it is like, a, you know, for those of you like calculus, it's like a second derivative. You know, we're actually accelerating into the future at rates we have not seen before. The level of disruption we've seen uh, driven in particular by the, the pandemic is, is also unprecedented and it directly impacted education in a lot of fundamental ways. So, you know, I don't think we put the genie back in the bottle in terms of the need for upskilling, reskilling, adapting, being flexible and dynamic in terms of responding to what's emerging. Uh, but I'm not sure anyone's really solved it now. And I think as a, as a, a country, I'd say the U.S. is woefully behind where we should be in terms of responding to something we've seen on the horizon for, for, I'd say, you know, at least the last 10 years. And, you know, that's why the revolution uh, may not have been televised. You know, it may have already happened. And, uh, and now it's more a question of how do we retool and get out ahead of it? And, and I think there's a lot of work to be done on that front. Yeah. You know, the, 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 this kind of fear of the future that uh, is, brewing uh, in a in a very polarized and uh, public fashion uh, we're, we're not going to get into politics but uh, but there definitely is uh, this this faction that wants to go backwards uh, mm -hmm. in, in time and and go back to a, a simpler time you know the concept of being a lifelong learner uh, you know you uh, you you brought up uh, Michelle Weiss's book uh, before. Lifelong learning uh, is the elixir. It is the cure for a lot that ails us uh, mm -hmm. right now. And if we can, if we continue to focus on on education, uh, broadening our minds, uh, mental agility, growth mindset, uh, you know, however however you phrase it, uh, that almost forces you into a position of uh, saying, okay, the path is forward and together. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and it's not, uh, it, it's not going back because the old days of getting a college degree and going through four or five years and saying, Oh, okay. The learning is done. Now I, now I get to take a deep breath and, and, and skate for the rest of my life and just work. Mm -hmm. That that world doesn't exist. So mm -hmm. I, I'm curious in the, all those conversations that you've had, uh, you know, drill down one level deeper. What are some of the most important future skills our listeners should be thinking about acquiring? Yeah, I, I really like the the cut of skills based on those that are durable, which is the new 
terminology that I've been using more for what had been called soft skills or social emotional skills, but but skills that easily trans translate. And you know, there's the concept of learning transfer where if you have these skills in one domain, it's relatively easy to to translate them into another. The example I like to use around durable skills is storytelling, where like if you're good at telling stories, if you're good at empathy and collaboration, those are the types of skills that will translate into the new formats that emerge. You know, the way in which you deliver a podcast is probably going to change. But regardless of how you're delivering it and whether it's a podcast or a webinar or a live stream or a blog post, however you're getting your information out there, you're, however you're communicating to the world around you, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, good narrative, uh, a, a clear message, good communication skills, empathy, the right level of emotionality so that your humanity comes across, those are the things that will outlast the the robo revolution that we're also in the midst of that like there will be increased automation and there you know if if an organization doesn't have an ai strategy right now they, they probably need to put something on paper just to say this is how we're thinking about our human capital this is where we have a position on where the human will have a unique role in our organization in the future and then the flip side of that is also true where could things that are currently done by humans scale better and differently if they're powered by technology? Like that's a real context that that is happening nowadays. And that's why in some ways, doubling, tripling down on the more uniquely components of your skill set is, is really critical, but it's another both end because on the other side, you still need harder, more technical skills to allow you to snap into the, the digital ecosystem that is emerging. And that's also where I would encourage, uh, particularly, you know, I'm a, I guess I'm Gen X, you know, even though I, do, I, do, I don't like to t- take on the labels, but, um, but I would say, especially folks Gen X up, Gen X and boomers and beyond, you know, don't, don't have a fixed mindset about digital capabilities and about your ability to learn things. You know, those are old tropes that in many ways have been uh, debunked. So I would say, on the one hand, as you get further on in your career, I would say the more durable skills should be better, hopefully, like you're better at collaborating, you understand what leadership is, maybe you have some management experience, you have, quote unquote, EQ, and you can lead folks. But don't shirk the responsibility that we all have to also stay flexible and current in terms of the the skills that you deploy on a day-to-day basis. You know, my dad, well into his 70s, into his early 80s, was still doing a blog and was still leaning into some of these new capabilities. And uh, that is the normal. And and I think there's a lot of waste in our collective system because we're not tapping into the continued growth potential within each human really throughout the full range of their lives. So I'd say, you know, try to stay inspired, embrace the truly human competencies that are a real differentiator and then you know do you you know eat your vegetables a little bit like do your homework around some of these emerging skills you might be surprised too because you know a lot of the stuff's becoming more um code free you know like a lot of it is more you just get used to an interface play around with it a little bit it's kind of design the interfaces are getting better it's becoming easier to power your digital tool set 
so uh so yeah i'd say don't give up hope continue to lean in yeah it's one well, you're you're really uh referring to to uh logic as a skill mm. uh in terms of being able to you know navigate interfaces where the code is uh has been taken out but you to to navigate all that you still need uh you need a foundation of maybe maybe not mathematical logic but mm. uh but but i i think that everybody should have some sort of course in how a leads to B, B leads mm-hmm. to C, and you know mm-hmm. logical consistency. Where, where uh, that that's that's one of the, those key foundational skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the big question, the big one of the big questions that Dan and I uh, talked about in, in the previous show was, you know, what is the role of higher education here? Uh, you know, skills are changing so fast, and we know that higher education institutions generally are extraordinarily lethargic uh you know do they do they have a place in the reskilling revolution in 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 your opinion and how do they keep up yeah i I think they have a place it's just not as big a place perhaps as as they believe it to be I, i think a lot of our more established institutions of higher learning suffer from what I would characterize as the smartest guy in the room problem where they're, they're used to having some sense of status. And with that status comes some elitism that at times is not actually grounded in solving real work life problems. And that disconnect uh, is, is presenting some real challenges to, to higher ed. I think it's, I think there's still a role to be played there. I, I don't see higher ed going away by any stretch, but I, there is an opportunity for an emerging marketplace around pathways that aren't as much tied to the traditional four-year undergraduate degree, the, the credit hour. And that's where, you know, I recently had Ryan Craig on uh, Trending in Ed. He's really interesting. He does a newsletter called Gap Letter. Uh, he He's... Yep. One of of the leaders of Achieve Partners, which is a fund that is looking at one of the things that it's looking at is alternatives to traditional pathways to your first good job, which don't involve don't necessarily involve a a traditional higher ed pathway, you know, which basically translates into paid internships for more quote unquote regular jobs with, you know, non skilled trades, you know, like if you want to get a job with HubSpot, you might get an internship straight out of high school. You would be paid $45,000 a year and be equipped with skills for HubSpot, which would include the foundational logic, the business acumen. You'd be trained with an end game in mind, and you'd be trained by doing real work that is relevant to the organization that that's hiring you. That to me is really interesting. And and it does start to solve some of the problem. You know, higher ed also, I, I think, has a problem, you know, at the bottom. You know, a lot of folks who really are not going to make it through these mono, monolithic credentialing exercises wind up in a worse position than they were when they began. And that can really have a negative knock-on effect throughout their life because they were trying to do something positive with their lives that was powered by education. I think we all believe in the promise there. I would say get your bachelor's degree if you can. It's it's a great 
tool in terms of your long-term career prospects and, and wellness on, on multiple fronts, but it's not right for everyone. And the, there's a lot of selection criteria and biases it, built into the, the model of higher ed that, that I do think is damaging. And that's where I think the more disruptive skills-based on-the-job training, paid internships, that space. And a lot of the thinkers I'm gravitating to lately are talking more about this type of stuff. Uh, that's where I see higher ed playing a role. Uh, and I think the role frequently will come from those universities and community colleges that are connected into the local community, including the Chamber of Commerce and the, the local industry leaders. And if, you know, if you're a uh, if fishing is big, you know, then the university tailors itself to that job market and, you know, has some 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 deeper roots built into the local community. Uh, so I think there is a real future for more community-based education right on through higher ed that is a little more integrated, hopefully more connected to K-12 on the one hand, and then in particular in job placement on the other. But um, But I don't think higher ed is is out ahead and i don't think they're necessarily in a leadership position and a lot of your more established institutions i, I think have trouble with those types of dynamics yeah I, I i like what you're you know get if 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 i'm a higher if i'm the leader of a higher education institution uh you know get connected back into the business community i i i, I think there's been a real uh Look, there's been some great work that's happened in terms of connecting business with uh, ac academic institution, uh, but there's also many uh, academic uh, leaders that don't uh, get involved in their local in in the local community and the employers that uh, that that surround them. So mm -hmm. that that's wonderful advice, uh, you know, Mike. As we get. Uh, close to the end of our time together here, I want to get back to podcasting. Yeah. Um, uh, because, you know, you, you, uh, when you talked about skills, you talked about storytelling. Uh, mm. I've, uh, I've written a lot about uh, storytelling and the importance of finding, uh, finding your voice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this process of having what we're doing right now, having conversations, uh, structured conversations, uh, it's, it's a tremendous, tremendous skill. So it, what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's thinking about uh, getting into the podcasting game? Yeah, I would say do it for the love of the game to a certain extent and do it for the, the conversations and the, the relationship building that happens. I wouldn't recommend doing it to make money. That's a, <laughs> it's a pretty difficult pathway. But if you are trying to hone your game the, the the way in which i have a conversation now 450 or so of these in versus the way i thought about a conversation when i started is worlds different and there are 350 people in the world now who i've co-created something meaningful with and there's a level of connection and intimacy that you get there that is really unparalleled, you know, so you learn how to speak in your own voice and you build relationships and, and a body of work that you're going to value for the rest of your life. Uh, and especially if you don't think you're going to make money doing it, uh, I would say jump in. Yeah. 
that that that's awesome. Well, that that's what that's what we've done here. You know, we uh, you had a twenty plus year career at Kaplan. I had a twenty plus year career at Kaplan. I have I have you know nothing but uh, but good things to say about that experience. But now we're off now we're off doing something else. And I I just love this uh, love this platform as a, as as a, as a way to to get the word out and find my voice in a in a, in a different way. And mm-hmm. and then. Hopefully we grow an audience and make some connections. And if we're super lucky, we, uh, we, we make some money doing it, but, uh, but yeah, the, the love of the game. I, I love that. Uh, so Mike, thank you so much for, uh, for being with us today. Uh, I know our listeners uh, got a lot out of the conversation. My name is Andy Tempty. Uh, find all things that we're doing at andrewtempty.com. Uh, and, uh, you can find us on LinkedIn and, uh, uh, also on Facebook. Mike, where can everybody find you? Uh, I, I would go to trendinged.com is probably the easiest place to find. And then on LinkedIn, um, I'm active and available. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Michael P. Palmer, I think, is where you'll find me. But also, you can go to Palmer Media on LinkedIn uh, as well. I'm, I'm there looking, looking for conversations. All right. Well, subscribe to the Balancing Act podcast on your favorite podcast service. Subscribe to Trending in Education on your favorite podcast service. I'm Andy Tempty, and uh, have a great rest of your day.